Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host Ashutosh Garg and today I'm delighted to welcome a very very accomplished multifaceted individual from Thailand Mr Andrew Stotts. Andrew welcome to the show. Ash thanks for having me and hello fellow risk takers. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Andrew is the CEO of Stotts Investment Research. He's the co-founder of Coffee Works. He's the host of a podcast titled the worst podcast my worst investment ever and i was privileged to be on his show a few weeks ago and he's the author of five books so i know let's start talking about uh, stotts investment tell me about uh, what you do in this firm so basically i built a career about around being a financial analyst mm-hmm. and picking stocks and that type of thing and then with a stotts investment research we do three things the first thing is we help uh, we help people basically who need help with their accounting and finance in their business mm-hmm. basically when they really are in trouble we go in and fix their problem the second thing that we do is we uh, manage money and advise people on how to invest mm-hmm. in particular we look at asset allocation and we manage money under asset allocation models where we look at stocks versus bonds versus yeah. uh, commodities versus gold and then the third thing is we value companies and that you could say is my expertise and as well we also teach valuation through my valuation masterclass wow. those are the three core things that I mm. do in that business so let's come back to your first one when you said you know when in trouble when in trouble we go in and help uh, tell me a little more and uh, do you have any example that you can share with us no names of course yeah, sure Basically, the first thing that I've learned over the years is that the entrepreneur just plows ahead and they don't pay that much attention to finance and accounting and bookkeeping. Correct. They're out there trying to sell, build a great product, but they don't see the importance of accounting and finance mm. until it hits them in the face. Mm. And that usually happens pretty quickly. And that's the time that they call us to say, can you help us with things? Just a simple story. One of our clients recently called us. They lost all their data from a prior year. Wow. They were hacked and it was gone. Mm. They had to reconstruct it, but they also then needed to pull together stuff to report their uh, tax to the tax authorities. Mm. And they really needed somebody that could dig through it fast and aggressively. And so we were able to get them sorted out pretty quickly. Another mm-hmm. example, we have a client that has five different businesses on three different in three different countries mm-hmm. and he was just having a nightmare trying to get it all together so he could just see a consolidated financial statement every single month mm. and that's another example of one we have another one that is a startup company that's trying to raise money for agricultural business in fact mm. i was watching one of your videos on agriculture with mm. one of your guests mm-hmm. but you know in precision agriculture but they need to start right with their finances and their accounts mm. and i think that the main lesson from all of this ash that i would say to the listeners out there you if you do not have monthly financial statements balance sheet and pnl and cash flow mm-hmm. you are heading for trouble make sure you go to your accountant and you say i want monthly financial statements mm. and then you get them on time and accurate every single month mm. the majority of your financial problems will be solved mm. most people don't do that and then they end up in trouble absolutely and uh, based on your experience 
uh, and based on my experience as an entrepreneur, I know the first thing that seems to get, uh, you know, fall by the wayside are systems and accounting norms. Uh, and that's where you step in. But do you see this happening a lot? All the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. And, you know, it's only in, you know, very large businesses where they have the, the, the funding and the ability to do it. Plus, they commit to it mm. if they get listed in the stock market. Mm. So they're really committing to say we're going to have our finances on time and mm. accurate. But for a lot of smaller companies, what mm. they do, they generally they push down the cost of the accounting services and they mm. don't see the value in it. So mm. I see it happening all the time. And I would say that, you know, the thing that, that's, that's important about this whole thing and that I teach in valuation, in, in mm. finance, in all my different courses mm-hmm. is I tell my students at university, finance adds no value. Mm. Well, that's a pretty disappointing statement for a finance major. Correct. But what I'm trying to get across to them is that finance is a support function. Mm. As I say, finance is a mirror. It is the reflection or the result of management decisions. Mm. Management needs to see the reflection, the mirror. This Mm -hmm. is one of the big reasons, Ash, that many people don't have their finances in order. They're afraid to look in the mirror. Mm. Well said. Well said. So let me come now to, uh, you know, I'll I'll come to investments soon after this. But uh, you said your expertise is valuation. And uh, I've often wondered from uh, an entrepreneur's perspective or from a shareholder's perspective, who determines value? The person who's the venture capital investor or is it the stock market? Because suddenly unicorns seem to be all over the world. Well, I think one of the best ways to think about um, value is that if you and I go out to a beauty contest, Mm. let's say in Bangalore, yeah. And we go to a beauty contest and you and I are in the back row mm. and we're looking at, you know, who we think is going to win this beauty contest. Mm. Now, there's a panel of five judges up front and then you and I are in the back and we're chatting yeah. amongst ourselves. And then I say, oh, I like contestant four. And you say, I like contestant seven. Mm. It's irrelevant who we like. Correct. What we're trying to do is judge who the judges will like. Correct. That is valuation as we look at it oftentimes in the stock market. It's Mm. not so much what we think, it's what the market thinks. And that Mm -hmm. causes the price of an asset to go up and down. Mm -hmm. Now, the value of an asset is a little bit different in the sense that, you know, if let's just imagine for a moment that we could value a company perfectly Mm -hmm. by forecasting the future, understanding the risk, and we had a perfect valuation. And let's just say we came up with the value of that company and it was 100. Mm. And we all agreed it's a perfect valuation. It is mm. correct. We can see the future. How much is the value tomorrow? Mm. 100. How much is the value the next day? Mm. 100. Mm-hmm. Value doesn't change that much. Okay. So the first thing we start from a theoretical structure of saying we know mm-hmm. perfect information. Mm-hmm. If we know perfect information, we can say value doesn't change that much. And this helps us to separate price mm-hmm. from value. Mm. Price we see a lot in the stock market as an example, and we mm. get all excited, but price is not value. Now, the, the, the third part I would just say about it is mm. that when you finally get into selling your startup or buying another business, value is a negotiation. Mm-hmm. There is no correct value. 
Get right. It is a it is a negotiation, mm. and and that's I think what what many people think when they think about valuation is that well if I just get the right person and if I get mm. the right structure I can then calculate the value. No, there's just too many unknowns in valuation mm. that we have a structure, and we have an estimate, and then we have a negotiation. Fascinating, very very interesting. And then we let me come to the third pillar of your of Stotts Investment. Which is uh, investments. Uh, I wanted to ask you: When you look at investments, how are you differentiating yourself from so many other people who claim to offer investment advice? Yeah, that is that is the challenge ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, just the topic of your podcast and your book and your experience about mm-hmm. the brand called you. You know, you have to ask the question: What's your unique selling proposition what's your unique proposition and if you Mm. go into the dictionary you look up the word unique you'll find out that it says something that nobody else can do Mm -hmm. pretty much every single thing that we come up with that we think is unique is probably Mm. not Mm. but if i think about my unique combination of skills it's Mm. two things number one over decades i have constructed a structure for investing Mm -hmm. i call it fvmr fundamentals, valuation, momentum, and risk. I look at every stock. I look at every sector. I look at every asset class in this framework. Mm-hmm. So number one, I'm very different from other people that may say, oh, I feel like this is going to be a good investment. No, no, no. I put it through a framework. The second thing that I would say that makes me unique is I have iron discipline. Mm-hmm. I only look at my stock investments every three months. Mm-hmm. In between, you'll find me doing a lot of other things. And Mm. then at the end of that three-month period, I stop everything and I spend about two weeks with my team analyzing every stock in the world Mm. that we could invest in in every asset class. Mm. And then we reallocate and we start from zero. And I think Mm. it's an important point that I would say about the discipline is that every time you look at that portfolio, at least when I look at my portfolio every three months, Mm. I always imagine that, um, that my client's brought me into a room and they said, look, we sold everything to cash mm. so that you don't have the burden of having been stuck in something that you really want to stay in and all mm. that. So I always start from zero every quarter. I call it zero-based thinking. We don't mm-hmm. sell everything, but we look as if we have nothing in our portfolio. Yeah. So sometimes people would find me owning something and then I'll sell it. And then three months later, I'll buy it again. I thought, well, I just bought it at the wrong time the first mm. time. Now I'm going to get it the second time. Well said. And yet, you know, Andrew, I've often debated this with, with wealth managers and private bankers. Uh, the wealth of an individual is not just equities, mutual funds, and cash. You know, most of us in our portfolio have property, have jewelry, have uh, art, and a whole lot of other very, very valuable items. Why is it that when we talk investment uh, advice, we only look at cash and money? So the first uh, reason why I look at it that way is because Mm. as an advisor, as a person working with people with money, I generally don't have much control over what they're going to do with their jewelry, their land, Mm. their house. Mm. We can look at the whole picture of that. Mm -hmm. And it should be that an investment advisor does look at that whole picture. Mm. Uh, That should be the case. But the place where an investment advisor probably 
has the most flexibility to act mm -hmm. would be in the stock market, bonds, that type of thing. And that's probably the reason why we end up there. Now, it's also a reason why I do not, for, for majority of my clients, I don't invest in real estate. Like a lot of people want to invest in REITs or real mm -hmm. estate investment mm -hmm. trusts and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't invest in that type of thing for my clients because mm -hmm. I know they already have property exposure. Mm -hmm. REITs are very different. And for people that really are into the markets and stuff, I have a lot more that I talk about about that. But that's generally what I do is try to help position the portfolio, understanding that, yes, there are other assets out there. Very interesting. One more question about investment, and then I move to your podcast. Uh, at every age level, the risk appetite changes. I'd love to get your perspective on how the young, when I say young, you know, people are now getting into leadership roles, the millennials and the Gen Zs. How are they beginning to look at investments and how are they planning? So I wrote a book called How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. And mm -hmm. I wrote it for women. Mm. In fact, I wrote it for five women. Mm. Just five. Okay. Those are my five nieces. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any nephews and I haven't yet got married, so I don't have mm. any children. Okay. So my five nieces, I thought, what would be a gift that Uncle Andrew could give them? Mm. Well, I'm, I'm an expert in the area of finance, so why don't I tell them how to invest? When okay. each of them turned 18, I gave them $3,000 and helped them set up an account at Vanguard. And I wrote this book and try to teach them that actually for most people, you could probably do it on your own. Mm -hmm. If someone's high net worth, they've got a lot of money. There's a lot more issues related to tax and all that. But for a typical person, a young person, you can start by owning every stock in the world. In fact, mm -hmm. for the listeners out there that are thinking, oh, I want to start, but I don't know where to start. Well, first of all, you can just download my book for 10 bucks on mm -hmm. Amazon or whatever it is, $9, no. and you can go through it. But the main point is that we have mutual funds now and ETFs that own mm -hmm. every stock in the world. Mm -hmm. Once you've got every stock in the world, it's a great place to start. Just start mm -hmm. contributing to that fund and you'll get equity exposure. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I always tell people is to start in, you know, in, in a simple sort of way. But the other thing that I would say to answer your question is 110 minus your age. Mm -hmm. If you're 20 years old, 110 minus 20 means 90% of your money should probably be in the stock market. Oh, wow. When you're, when you're mm. 30, 110 minus your age of 30, mm. now you should be at about 80%. And then ah, okay. 70 and 60. If you follow that as a general uh. rule, now you could say in the beginning of your life, when you're 20 to 25 or even 20 to 30, you could be 100% in the stock market. Mm. But I like people to get begin to build a habit of having bonds mm. in a portfolio because it just, it just is a, a good thing to have, particularly as you get older, because you don't want to lose the money that you've got. Amazing. This is such an amazing solution that you've given uh, on our night on my, in my conversation with you. 110 minus your age is the percentage you should have in stocks. Amazing. So, Andrew, let's now move to your podcast. Uh, and you call it the worst podcast, my worst investment ever. Uh, tell me why this name? Well, you know, I wanted to do a podcast myself over the years, and I knew it was a very competitive space. And so I started to think about how would I brand mm -hmm. myself and this podcast? And I was listening to someone talk about the worst interview ever. And I was at the park and I thought to myself, that's interesting because mm -hmm. I heard all of these really famous people talking about their worst interview that they did. And I thought, if, I wonder if that would work for my worst investment. So I sent a message to the guy that was doing my worst interview ever and said, hey, would you mind if I stole your idea and used it for investment? 
Mm-hmm. And then I went on and started the podcast. Now, I did go out and ask people on my list, uh, mm-hmm. friends and families and um, business people, and I asked them if they'd be willing to share a story of their worst investment ever. And I had 500 people return an email saying, yes, and here is my story. Wow. So I realized that everybody has a story. So the first part of this whole thing was about branding because I didn't want to just go out there and do another investment podcast. Mm-hmm. The second part is that uh, for people that get to know me, they, know, they, they see that one of my strengths is authenticity. What you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. I'm a very sincere person. I try to be mm-hmm. in my interactions with people. And so I thought that this podcast is all about authenticity mm-hmm. and about talking about our mistakes and showing that we can talk about them and like you and I did, mm-hmm. and that we can learn from them. And mm-hmm. I mean, that for me is kind of the, the message. And ultimately, I'm on a mission to help a million people reduce risk in their lives mm-hmm. by providing these interviews now with over more than 500 interviews to help them to see how they can reduce risk right now. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, my next question to you, uh, Andrew, is what goes into, make, into making or crafting a good podcast? I think for me, I work, I, because I'm an analyst, I work with a lot of structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, you know, it's, it's a series of things. First of all, I look around to try to find guests that are willing to talk. Now, my podcast is a little bit different. A typical podcast will say, hey, I'd like you to come on the podcast and talk about all the great things that you've done and mm-hmm. how you've, you know, the impact you've had in this world and all this. And I say, hey, why don't you come on my podcast and talk about the worst thing you've ever done? And most people say no. So the first thing is I've got to reach out to a lot of people. And I think I would say also that you got to test your idea, which I did by emailing out to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is that I have a series of, of uh steps that people go through to share a little bit about you know everything to get them ready for the Mm -hmm. show and then what i do for my show is i i record about four shows a week somewhere between three to five shows a week Mm -hmm. and i do it all on thursday morning one after another Mm -hmm. and then i have a great team that takes that and brings that into uh the final product that comes Mm -hmm. out and we post that on my worstinvestmentever.com but i think the best part about providing all that structure is that when it comes time to get together like this, when mm. we're talking, mm. I just think that that's when you just tell your guests, now it's time to relax. I'm going to guide you through this. You don't have to worry about a thing. We're going to mess mm. up. The podcast is the worst investment ever. So mm. it's okay. Mm. And that's just trying to provide a space where people can just share their story and share what they learn. Wonderful. So I've got time for one more question, Andrew, and I'm going to uh, ask you this question on video versus audio or both what in your opinion uh, are people looking for a video conversation an audio conversation or both i would say audio and um the reason why i say audio is because mm-hmm. it's so convenient to consistently listen to an audio mm-hmm. uh, recording through podcasting Mm. And I know uh, there's just so many people out there that are listening to audio and they tune into my podcast, they tune into your podcast mm. and they listen to it while they're at the park, while they're exercising. And I just love the idea that, that you can build this into a part of your life, a part mm. of your day. Mm. Whereas with, with video, you really have to, you have to stop everything Correct. to pay attention to video. So though video is definitely important, mm-hmm. I would say that audio to me is it's like coming back, you know, when we were young, we yeah. used to listen to the radio 
and we used to listen to the talk shows on the radio mm. that kind of went away with the internet, but now it's coming back through podcasts. So audio is my answer. Amazing. Andrew, on that note, uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about uh, Stotts Investment, about the three areas that you work in, you know, helping people set up their systems, helping people invest uh, their money, and I'm sure giving them great returns and helping people in their valuation. Thank you also for speaking to me about the worst podcast, my worst investment ever. I was uh, on uh, your show and I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you. And finally, my biggest take home from our entire conversation, other than a lot of other things, is 110 minus the age is the percentage that uh, I must invest in uh, for uh, in my stocks. So now I, I've got a tip that 50% of my portfolio must be in stocks now. There you go. So uh, thank you again for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.